your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan, and we've got a doozy of an episode for you guys today. Uh, First and foremost, we obviously recently got back from the Florida Cup where we saw Everton play, and so did a little bit of content for Toffee TV USA, Ryan. Yeah, check it out. My son stole the show, of course, but... uh, we had a great time too. So I know a lot of the listeners here were down there. We had an awesome time with the discord folks as well. Met a ton of new people too, that we've been communicating with and I had a great time. So we tried to chronicle that. Hopefully you guys enjoy that as well. But most importantly, we got a great opportunity to meet none other than Tim Howard himself. Uh, didn't have a long time with him. It's unbelievable. He made any time for us at all, but, but I thought that was a pretty engaging conversation. Even if it was brief and just to meet him was, was I'm, you had met him before he, Obviously, he's sure. great. He knows you. You guys go. Well. Yeah, yeah. We're best friends. There you go. But either way, I thought it was at least a good but brief interview. Yeah, it was good. And we're going to intro with that here shortly. And then we're going to talk quickly about the groundbreaking uh, of Bramley Moore. The stadium is officially being constructed as we speak. Maybe not literally as we speak, but in the process. The process is underway. So we'll talk about that briefly. And then we'll get into the matter of the day, which is the transfer business Everton have not done or have done. So we'll do a quick overview of the the window so far, looking back kind of against the recent squad assessment, which if you haven't already checked out, highly encourage you to do so. It is long, it is thorough, and it is a good piece of content if you ask me. So we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll go through the rumor mill. There's been some rumors, even though there's nothing really concrete coming out yet, but we have a silly season, man. Got to go through them. It's silly season and it's kind of sleepy season at the moment for Everton, but the rumors are flying nonetheless. So we'll get into that after. So stick around for all that. But without further ado, here is our chat with none other than Tim Howard. Uh, well, first of all, the one thing that I thought was amazing is, so yesterday, 90 degree heat, right? Yeah. Two clubs don't show up. We're all here. And all those people were out there. Like, do you think when you first joined the club, like rabbit falling in the UK, mm. did you ever expect to see that kind of response? Eventually, like, yeah. you know, when you first yeah. started, you know? Well, well no, I mean, I think that, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a testament to the growth of, of the club and of the supporters. And I feel like it, it, it was, there's a connection between myself and Landon and the club and then Americans, Evertonians. It just, there seemed, it seemed to grow so quickly. And again, it doesn't, 10 years is not a quick amount of time, right? But you you do see the passion and and now it's not surprising. But when I, when it first started, yeah, because in America it was easy. It was, it was one or two clubs, maybe three clubs that everyone supported. But now, I mean, you just watch it and every, I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm traveling airports all the time in hotels in every city and You'd be hard pressed to find a time that I'm not traveling where where someone we don't have a conversation about being a toffee. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, we uh, appreciate it too because the show has grown. I think. Yeah. You know, when I started doing it, I mean, Alex, I wish he was here. To yeah, see of course, you yeah. Uh, but you're a big part of that, so we appreciate. Yeah, it appreciate sure. you, and um, we know obviously you're now very involved in the the media scene, and wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the comparison between the media versus the playing side of things. So, in terms of preparation and the, the mental side of of yeah. things. How is it different to prepare for a, a Premier League match versus an NBC Sports broadcast? Well, it's, a, it's a great question only because what I've come to find is I think what's, what's captivated me about television is that the preparation is exactly the same. Now, now that's dumb to say, right? Because you put a suit on, you have the papers, and then you actually... Did you not think that was going to be the case? Because you said, I remember a couple times before, that you didn't think television was I did, yeah. I don't believe that. Man. No, because what I've, what I've come to find with television is there's a team, there's a research team, there's, there's yeah. your producer, there's your teammates that you're on the desk with, and all week you're prepping. You're all week, you're prepping together, you're prepping individually, you're getting your mind right, and then... The camera comes on, but there's still this whole team behind the camera that is, that is 
that is making sure you succeed. And if something happens on the fly, they're in your ear and it helps. Same as the game. You prep all week with your teammates, you get the game plan, you get the tactics, and then the game, and then things don't always go well in the game, and then halftime comes and you, you sort out. So it's literally a mirror image of each other, and I think that's what I'm drawn to. And I didn't really know that for sure prior to. That's interesting. Yeah, I just thought the way you talked about the game, and like you said, sometimes you almost didn't even enjoy the yeah. game. But your preparation was, I just thought you were like level-headed and perfect. You Thank did a great you. job with it. it. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, and I guess the, just really quickly, one last question. Um, trying to find, you're obviously a diehard believer. You come out yeah, here yeah, and yeah. do all these events, but then there's a certain level of, of impartiality of that you have to bring to punditry. So how do you um, find that right balance, or do you still kind of wear Everton on your sleeve mm. and, and make no apologies? Because like Andy Gray and Tim Cahill do it a little different. They're a little, I mean, you literally have it on your sleeve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I try, you know, I've, I've had, I had a brilliant producer uh, at NBC and, you know, they do things the right way. And I, I gotta be honest, it, it's, it's not hard. I just, I focused on the impartiality yeah. and, and yeah, it hurts when, when, you know, Everton don't play well. Um, that I have to say that, and it hurts sometimes when I'm, I want to, you know, there's a last minute goal and I want to jump through the roof and I have <laughs> yeah, to right. just say, you know, um, but that's, I also, I love the game. I love calling the game objectively. And so that's what I, you know, that's what I try and do. Hey, so I wanted to bring up New Jersey Center for Threat Center. Yeah. Because we talked about how important community sure, is sure, for sure. Everton, right? Oh, yeah. So look, I, I don't want to get too personal on this, but okay. um, what I wanted to talk about was the Faith Rice Legacy Fund. Mm -hmm. Because I think that, you know, obviously she passed. Yes. And I know she was really important yes. to you. Uh, you talked about her in the book. Mm -hmm. and um, But, I mean, maybe talk a little bit about that legacy fund. Just something that we can talk to the to the listeners, you know, sure. and get them engaged. Because they're always looking for ways. Yes. How can we, you know, be part of the community and represent Everton, right? It's a big part of the value. Well, Everton, the community is, is second to none. That, that yeah. We know that across the U.K., that program stands out as, as being the best. And the players are committed to it. The staff are committed to it. And so... Um, obviously, it, it, that's special to me and Faith Rice. Uh, I met Faith Rice when I was 18 years old, and I've never met a more determined, bullheaded woman who would just, uh, no, no wasn't in her vocabulary. She didn't allow other people to use it. What she did uh, for the New Jersey Center for Tourette Syndrome is just, it, it, it's almost impossible to match. The people she, the lives that she touched and the ability um, to go to state legislatures and, and to touch families at, at the grassroots level. She did it all, and she did it without asking any, any favors from anyone. She never wanted to pat on the back. She always did it, you know, loudly when she needed to, but very quietly in the background, and she was just the most wonderful, sweet, beautiful human being. And, you know, the Legacy Fund is simply is simply that. It's to, it's to honor her memory. It's to continue to champion the effort that she put in, and it, it's going to take all of us to, to push that forward because the work that she did, it's, it's, you know, one woman, one person, one man shouldn't have been able to do what she did. And so it's for all of us to continue to push in this forward with both research, but also meeting families the minute that they get that diagnosis and they feel like their world's crumbling to be able to say, hey, we're, we're here to help. And so that's what this has always been about. And this fun is to continue in her honor. Brilliant. Great. Uh, we can ask them all day. Yeah, you know what I mean? appreciate we really your appreciate time. It. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you so much, man. So no, we love it. Good to see you, guys. Yeah, see, you. see you too, man. Brilliant. recording Tuesday evening that conversation with Tim which we hope you enjoyed was recorded uh, last Tuesday was it just last Tuesday two Tuesdays ago it feels like it's been uh, a little while but it was a great conversation hope you enjoyed it and uh, Ryan let's just get into the rest of the episode here we have ground broken on Bramley Moore the club officially started construction of the stadium I assume they're probably just doing a lot of like excavation got some back hoes and some I don't know, steamrollers or whatever, construction stuff. James Boyman, excellent constructor <laughs> expert. Uh, no, a lot of the, so the thing is, so being North American guys, um, you know, one thing that we, we do like to do is ceremony celebrations, you know, over the top stuff sometimes. Um, pageantry. Pageantry. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I, I must say, though, as far as uh, groundbreaking ceremonies for something that is as epic as this, uh, not just for Everton Football Club, but for the city of Liverpool, 
this is pretty muted. I mean, we've seen some pretty big ones. I don't know if you remember the one a couple of years ago at the Las Vegas stadium, you know, the one that looks like a Roomba. Uh, yeah. that, it really does. I, that thing was over the top. Um, this one, I, I thought it was a little strange. I mean, it was a really big day, you know, for Everton, but um, some uneasiness about it. What do you think that is? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. The club put out a press release and they're they're doing a lot to, you know, they announced that there's going to be a website put up so fans can monitor the progress. There's supposedly going to be a webcam. Like every live streaming. Like every Yeah, yeah. You know like I mean? it's, it's pretty par for the course. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I still think there's a lot of questions about the stadium. Look, it seems like it's happening. Everyone's fully confident that it will. But there's still some outstanding issues funding mostly surrounding the financing of it and how it's going to impact the club long term. And uh, we have a comment that we a tweet from Paul to ask that I think raises some some valid concerns on the matter. I like this angle. I think it's an intelligent um, kind of review. I know everyone thinks Paul is being a Debbie Downer on what should be a momentous occasion, but you'd be remiss not to bring these things up. And I, I think most people were feeling it. I mean, so, so the esks comment at the esque on Twitter, um, re Bramley Moore groundbreaking for balance, the opposing questioning view. Number one, no Mashiri present. Number two, no mention of funding. Number three, if naming rights partner is in place, then have we missed ideal time to name the new stadium, giving sponsor recognition and perhaps advancing payment. Let's go through them one by one. Number one, no Mashiri present. Is that a big deal? Do we care? I don't personally care. Nah. It seems like, yeah, it would have been okay. It would have been a nice photo op for him to be there, but it's still an empty lot. There's not a whole lot to take. I don't, I wonder if they pulled out like the golden spade and had like Denise Barrett Baxendale like shovel out a little I mean, piece, but they got the pictures. I mean, I, I have seen it done quite often though. I mean, it, sure. it wouldn't have been crazy that he's there. I don't think that's as big a deal as maybe these next two. Number two, no mention of funding. So, Let's not take this literally. It's not like Paul's saying they should have decreed that the funding is in place and laid it out for That's not what he's talking about. He's just saying, I, I think what I took this to mean is, and, and, you know, we had some discourse afterwards um, over social media. I mean, you, you've got spades in the ground here, but you know, you don't have a full financing package. That's not common. Um, at least in my experience, what we've seen in stadiums going in and granted stadiums are often financed, um, a little bit differently here in America. You know, sure. a lot of it's public, public done or partially public, uh, not just for infrastructure. And and there's competition for franchises and things. It's just a whole different kind of environment. Um, but man, normally all the funding is in place. I mean, it's kind of risky to start digging into the ground and doing stuff otherwise. So not that I would have expected them to mention it, but I, I think that makes you feel a little uneasy, don't you think? I mean, that probably contributed to it, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not personally losing sleep over it, but I also acknowledge the fact that there is um, an element of uncertainty that's presented with this going forward without knowing exactly how, where we'll be, you know, three, four years down the line when the yeah. stadium's built, will we have everything lined up? It, it would be nice to have all our ducks in a row, to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And we don't. And so there's some questions about how the heck are Everton going to pay for this freaking gigantic, expensive stadium. And that's normal. No more of those things are set. And so his third point, if naming rights partners in place, because that is unique. I personally have never even heard of that where someone paid was it 30 million pounds up front yeah. for the first option to lock in the naming rights. And so to me, I mean, in lieu of a, a concrete option to exercise that specified the actual fees, um, what are we waiting for in this one? And the reason why I say that is it is not totally uncommon, at least in my experience, to see a groundbreaking where the stadium name is already in place. And like, right. so, so one example I used is, you know, being from Pittsburgh is PNC Park, uh, the beautiful baseball stadium, absolutely gorgeous stadium. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a huge to do, you know, fireworks, ceremonies, PNC was there and it was a good opportunity for them. And granted, it's not a small company or anything, but you know, this was 20 years ago. I mean, there was a lot of fanfare. They got as much from that investment from day one to, to now. You know what I mean? And, and they took advantage of it. And I right. think I think that's Paul's point. I mean, it's have we missed the trick here a little bit. I mean, I, I would think if I'm Usmanov, like this is an opportunity to create some fanfare within the city. Um, you know what I mean? I, I I'm a little surprised that. Well, put it this way. I am a little concerned that he hasn't exercised the option to move forward with it. And the only reason why not, not that again, th these are concerns, 
I mean, Paul's providing balance here. He's not saying all is desolate and dead. I right. mean, I, I think people totally missed again. We, we've had he's him on playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I mean, he's being balanced. Balanced, I think, is even a better way to say it in this instance, because I don't even think yeah. he's being. But, but yeah, that's a fair, fair way to describe it, because he's a smart guy and this is his realm. So so to me, to me, the issue is if they haven't exercised the option, I mean, this is time where you could be negotiating with other people that would pay for it. And right. if you can get the money up front now, it's less step you got to pay downstream. So, I mean, there's right. there's opportunity cost here by not having them exercise it. So it concerns me a little bit because it's like this can't be an indefinite option to get the name right. rights. And right. I mean, the naming rights is nothing but a marketing play. And so if you're making this giant outlay of cash to mm -hmm. market your business via this stadium and putting the name on it, you would theoretically want to milk it for all it's worth and have it end to end. Of course. Fanfare pushing the people are talking the about it. They're talking exactly. about it. They don't want to exactly. say at Bramley Moore Doc. They want to say usm at brand whatever you know it doesn't matter yeah. but something that yeah the recognition should start but anyway so I, I just thought that was a good intelligent take and it led to a very good discourse i think between several people but of course people jumping on him saying oh you're never happy blah 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 i thought it was a fair point and i think it was a missed opportunity that's all um yeah and, and that doesn't you know it doesn't say anything grander about the the stadium's not happening or anything like that but it's just you know it's fair to criticize as we have done on the show about many aspects of the club yep. which we yep. will continue to do and without further ado let's uh <laughs> Let's jump into some more criticism, perhaps, but real silly stuff. People have been very critical about Everton's transfer business thus far this summer, or I guess the lack thereof. But are you freaking talked out about it? Are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I am underwhelmed. And I typically okay. coming into in my history as an Everton fan, the summer window has been the time where we uh, bandage our wounds from the previous year. Hope springs eternal. Sure. Exactly. We make some signings. I talk myself into, okay, <laughs> these guys can do a job. We are going to improve year yes, over year. Do. Yes, you do. Our, our manager, either our new manager is going to tear it up or our manager that's returning is going to have stability and improve the squad, which God, just so foolish of me. Not, I was I'm, I've, maybe I've just been very naive, and this well, is coming around. No, but. I, look, I, this has been a little bit wacky, I, I must say. And yes, there's blame to play, but we're not going to play the blame game here. Let's just talk about where we're at right now because we haven't been super active, at least in terms of big fees and numbers. But but so the what we've got is so far. Look, I mean, we the business we've done is obviously we lost or, or gained relief from a bunch of salaries for a bunch of other players uh, already, um, you know, not exercising Olson's loan, that type of thing. You know, Lewis, the only outs though we've had is Bernard is gone. Uh, we think his fee was around a million pounds. We think, I know he's making massive wages, but he was on big fees. Uh, doesn't help us much with financial fair play because he didn't have a big transfer fee, which hasn't been amortized. So we're not incurring expenses off that. Um, Lewis Gibson, he's out on loan. I don't know if that means he's gone with an option to buy. I'm not sure how that works, but we'll see on that one. But these are two guys we assumed were going to leave anyway. And we've brought in Gray, uh, Townsend, Begovich, and obviously Moise Keane is back. So, um, you know, as of right now, uh, what do we got it about? I mean, the fees are about nothing. We figure Gray came in for like 1.5. Bernard went out for almost that anyway. But still, we've got about 13 million pounds in annual wages saved right now. So um, that's something. Uh, I think the question with financial fair play is, do we have to make a lot of money on player trading? I think that's a concern. And I think most people are of the opinion that we're waiting to kind of sell to buy. And again, that doesn't mean we cannot buy right now. That just means maybe that, look, brands or God knows who's doing our transfer business right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad to say that, but, um, you know, we have a couple big targets that maybe we're trying to maximize our revenue in order to kind of push the envelope. Because, look, let's be honest, we've got two major holes in the side and it's a right sided stud and a right back. I think right back being probably the most important of the two, but it's probably pretty close. Um, and and we're still there. So so let's take a quick look at kind of, you know, our, the results of our squad assessment where we thought we may end up. And uh, are, are we still on track here or not? I, I don't think we're way off. No, I think I think it's more like 
partial completion, I would say. Of course. Because we made moves. Like, we talked about bringing in potentially someone like Romero to back up Jordan Pickford. We went with Begovich, who has his own upside, similar profile, older same experience concept. keeper who steady backup. Exactly. Same same mold. Cheaper. Um, cheaper, probably, cheaper. honestly. Sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And hey, so, you won us the Florida Cup, man. Come on. Give the man some credit. Plus, he's a Canadian. So, North Americans, baby. Boom. I mean, yeah, anyone has spent that much stuff. time in Edmonton. I mean, my God, it's cold up there. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he looked good in the Florida heat, though. He, he was did. Like, barely sweating. So, so what we said in the squad assessment was essentially that Awobi would likely provide depth at left wing, and then we would look to bring someone in in the attacking mid position. But it seems like, based on the signing of Damari Gray, that Awobi's more likely to deputize James at the attacking ten position, whereas Damari gives us that extra depth at left wing. And we talked about that. I mean, we thought that might be an option too. I think the the prediction we had, the younger type player, not super young, was Nick De La Cruz um, from River uh, in in Argentina, and uh, he's Uruguayan. But uh, you know, he's twenty four. So I mean, Andre, Andre again, Damari Gray. Geez, why do I want to call him that? Damari Gray, for heaven's sakes, foe. Sorry about the disrespect there. He's twenty five. You know what I mean? mean? So so it's a similar profile. Yeah, and then obviously we brought in Townsend. We had talked about bringing in someone like Matt Ritchie, someone who's played for Rafa Benitez before, who knows sort of his style and can help advocate for him yeah. with the rest of the squad and serve as a uh, a leader in the squad, quite frankly, and someone who will be able to uh, instill, help instill his ideas and, and uh, philosophy. And it's not too dissimilar. I think we went with Matt Ritchie. You know, we thought yeah. that's a guy with some positional versatility. Um we liked him, though, because we figured not only would he be inexpensive, he could deputize for left back, and that would have enabled Niels and Kunku to go out on loan, which I still like that idea if you're going to take someone older. I don't like the idea that Townsend seems like he's pretty much a right winger and a left-footed one at that. Um, Benitez does like to flip-flop wings, you know what I mean? We talked about yeah. that in the squad assessment, um, and Townsend has a great left foot, so I guess there's no reason why him and Gray could not switch uh, although again, Damari Gray is a natural left-sided guy, but a right footer, uh, and has his problems as a player. But uh, look, I think Nick De La Cruz is a better player. Uh, I kind of like Matt Ritchie better than Townsend as well. But either way, they're cheap alternatives. They're depth type players. I don't think we're we're way off. But at this point, there's not been major movement. We thought there might be more. I mean, what do we need here? We need sales, pretty much. And and I think the biggest sale that we thought would eventually happen is Moise Keen, and we've been talking about this for a while, have we not? Yeah, look, we did an episode for Toffee TV USA either, it must have been in September or October, essentially when he left on loan to PSG, probably September, and said, look, this is probably the end of the Moise Keen experiment, if you even want to call it that, at Everton, because he's going to go to PSG, he'll probably do well playing with their all star-studded team and Liga and uh, he, of course, did, and he wants to go back, presumably. But if you haven't heard, uh, PSG just spent a little bit of uh, cash. No, no, securing... they were all freeze. They were all freeze. I love that. <laughs> it was a free transfer. 25 million pound signing bonus. By the way, yeah. the Moise Keen experiment. I mean, that is a, that's a that's like a progressive rock band, right? <laughs> Don't you think? Would they open yeah, up for so. like the Alan Parsons project? Maybe. Yeah, I think something like that would would make sense. And, yeah. And so you saw the messaging on here. Is this something we really care about, or is this classic social media overreaction? To me, it's social media overreaction. Look, Moise Keen posted an Instagram story. He deleted a bunch of pictures, basically all but four pictures off his Instagram. And he posted a story on Instagram that was a blank screen with the words back soon, dot, 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 and the fingers crossed emoji. You can go look it up if you want. People flipped out and said, you're disrespecting the club. This guy is a bleep. bleep, bleep. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be here, which we know he doesn't want to be here because he hasn't wanted to be here since his first season when he barely played, which I don't really blame him for. Not really. We had a huge opportunity with Moise Keane. And, uh, you know, one of the best young attacking prospects in all of Europe. And we decided to play Dominic Calvert-Lewin instead, which probably made sense for us at the time. But it yep. had this ramification of probably souring the relationship between the player and the club. And he went to PSG. He played with an unbelievable squad. And he wants to go back. And he wants to probably live in Paris. But it seems like Par 
Paris Saint-Germain aren't likely to be able to afford him, even if they wanted him. They weren't going to cough up what we wanted to begin with. So now clubs in Italy are starting to be linked. Inter Milan, who apparently Keane is a boyhood fan of, are in for him to replace Romelu Lukaku. So we need to sell Keane, basically. to He's the only asset that we have where we could probably get a substantial return and would then give us the flexibility to actually spend some dough. I agree. And we've been saying it from day one. Uh, I think maybe too much is being made of this. I mean, he's a kid. He's not an old guy or anything. You know, he's just sometimes acting on a whim. No big deal. But uh, yeah, there's almost like a giant musical chairs of striker transfers going on right now. Yeah. It's, it is kind of crazy if you think about it. I mean, it could be Harry Kane gone to Man City. It looks like Tammy Abraham's going to Roma. Does that mean Jekko's out the door? He could be going to enter um Lukaku on the way to Chelsea I don't know the how they got over the voodoo to make that happen but um <laughs> I know yeah I'm dragging that up uh just kidding obviously I think he's going to be great uh, who was it was it a Glenn Johnson who said he, he didn't think Lukaku is right for the Premier League like I'm sorry did I miss him almost leading the league in goals with us one year banging him in a, West, a season basically right, banging him in a West West Brom at age like seven are you kidding me man Anyway, um, yeah, it's kind of this musical chairs and there's some thought that one of these Italian teams might make a move for Moise Keane. But but look, the bottom line is that the loan was good in the fact that he got opportunity to play and it probably reestablished a lot of his value as a player. I think people are now like, yes, this guy's the real deal. He was a stud young player. He had 17 open play goals. And I know I've heard all this. So it's a farmer's league, blah, blah, blah. Look, the Champions League is not a farmer's league, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, but look, I, I think all that's completely ridiculous. He was good. He was very good. And he played a very distinct role off the back shoulder for the most part. And I, look, we did not have a great play or plan to deal with him if he wasn't going to play striker. And I think there was some opportunity for him to play right, even if it's not his natural position, at least in Marco Silva's 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, whichever one he played. Um, I don't see it happening here. If we're stuck with them, maybe we'll try and make it happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're anticipating that he's going to go again. We still have some time for that to happen. So let's see how the how the things fall. You know what I mean? How the dominoes fall, the chips fall, whatever the heck, you know, analogy. We Think, yeah, something falling. Um, and then it seemed like we had a little more drama. I'm still a little confused on this one, Hamez, if you want to kind of enlighten me in the world of. Uh, favorite skater boy uh, if i must yeah so tom there's <laughs> more tom this i think this maybe flew a little more under the radar tom davies again instagram posted a story it's a quote from a book that's quoting socrates journal talking about essentially life's a mystery and when i started i, I expected things to go one way and they've gone another is a very very high level kind of uh synopsis of it and people inferred from that that Tom Davies is potentially out the door. Now, for added context, there have been rumors circulating that he could be potentially involved in a swap deal with Newcastle for Sean Longstaff, um, which we can get into that right now, I think. But yeah, people, I, this is just people not too much time on their hands. Everton <laughs> haven't done enough and people just are desperate yeah. to, uh, to reach for any possible rumor. Yeah. But. Folks got to remember the window is not done yet. There's a lot of things to happen and we've seen Marcel brands wait till the end of the window in yep. the past. My concern is that it has always been is the over influence of managers. But I think in this particular instance, um, we've brought in some older players but they've been very cheap, relatively speaking. I'm actually encouraged by that as long as we don't do it again. But yeah, let's go through then Then the rumored ins. And I guess we'll start with, uh, well, Liverpool Echo mentioned some things the other day. Uh, I, I think Rafa Benitez still hopes that Everton will sign three or four more players. Yeah, we need them. Uh, they are interested in signing Newcastle United, Sean Longstaff and Burnley's Dwight McNeil. They would also ideally like to sign an experienced backup striker. So let's start with Sean Longstaff. Let's break him down a little bit here. Uh, Newcastle, yep, I think he's 23. He's uh, more of a central midfielder. And um, I, I didn't see the swap with Tom Davies, but I know Newcastle 
had shown interest in Davies last year, we thought, and we had apparently shown issue, shown interest in Longstaff. I think his contract is due to come up, and that may be part of this. Um, Hamas, what do you know about him, and what do you make of this potential ideal, and, and is he a fit? Yeah, I think both Longstaff and... Uh, Dwight McNeil are a little tough to evaluate. I haven't watched, I've watched a, a fair bit of McNeil and, and I rate him, but I haven't watched a ton of long staff. He really didn't play a ton for Newcastle like Tom Davies. And I want to just consider the fact that long staff would come in and I don't really want to think about the, the swap deal because you never <laughs> see swap deals and it seems incredibly unlikely and wouldn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense for either party. But long staff is kind of like set piece specialist in a, pretty decent defensive player he took a lot of set pieces for Newcastle created some okay chances um he's good at pressuring and winning challenges a lot of that is likely due to and, and mostly in the defensive third obviously thinking Newcastle here they're going to sit deep they're going to defend they're going to pressure in the final third but not doesn't really get up the field too much um doesn't seem to be a really great possession player it's again, hard to really evaluate that because Newcastle are not looking to possess the ball very often. But I think the important thing is center mids, not really our, our most pressing need. We have actually relatively good depth there and he seems too similar to Tom Davies for it to make a whole lot of sense to do any kind of trade there. So he obviously Rafa knew him when he was in Newcastle and is familiar with the player. So this seems like something that he would be pushing for. It doesn't seem like a Marcel Brands type of move to me. I actually kind of like him um, as a player. Love is strong. I, I was a little surprised to see how much set piece work he's done. He has done quite a bit relative to the time he's been on the pitch. I mean, he's not right. Always on there. Um, we've seen him. Yeah. Play more as kind of an all action type center mid um loves a tackle definitely goes in for big tackles sometimes and the fans of goodison would love that um <laughs> i know i don't mean to say that with such disdain but i you know sometimes think we get a little carried away I, I mean i like him to extend he has a really good first touch in my opinion and he moves the ball well and he's smart and he's a tough kid and i like him but again i mean this isn't something that's going to send us over the top and it's not a position we need anyone in so i don't really get it so look when we looked at needs we looked at center mids. We, we thought, if anything, we could use more of a sitting player, a player that could play the six. I don't know if Longstaff's really that type of player. Uh, he has the brains to do it, maybe in some positional awareness, but it's just not it's not who I would think. You know, if, if we assume that JPG is the one true sitter and Alon is can play defensive mid, but is really, you know, like to see him a little bit more active in winning balls and the same with Decore. I'm not real comfortable with Tom Davies playing back there with without support. I think he's more of a, you know, kind of central mid himself. We thought, I think we said Bubakar Kamara and granted we were going yeah. big there because he he's, we probably can't afford him if we don't have, we've already lost much. Like we thought we were going to have a little more in sales already. You know, Bernard and Gilfie is not looking good. We don't know what's going on with that. I don't want to comment on it. Um, but I, I think we were expecting if there's going to be a center mid that we're going to go for, they're going to be someone that's capable, I think, of playing as more of a sitter, too. Um, so I, I don't know. I just don't see this as being a need. And like you said, he's pretty similar to Tom. So I, I, I don't I don't think this makes any sense at all. So I highly doubt it's going to happen. But I guess you never know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it just doesn't really seem well, to make a whole lot of sense. I will say this, though. One thing to think about is financial fair play. You know what I mean? If you're going to sell someone and then buy someone, you know, maybe you could run one of those tricky gambits where, you know, because you're capitalizing the cost of that fee, if you jack up the fee on him and jack up the fee on Davies on like a swap deal, kind of like that, you know, you never know. Anyway, it's a way to avoid financial fair play. I don't even know why I'm just thinking about this now. That was not yeah. in the script. That wasn't in the script. Sorry. That's okay. No, but I mean, it, it just... To sell Tom Davies, like the only I know I'm stretching real I, Evertonian I, boyhood blue in the squad for for long stuff. I don't know, but yeah, I mean that that's a possibility for sure. Now Dwight McNeil Ryan, yeah, left wing can play a little left wing back. You've been talking about him a little bit on Twitter. A similar situation to Longstaff in that Burnley's play style maybe uh, makes it difficult to assess yeah. the sort of performance that he might uh, deliver at Everton. I agree. I think it's very hard. And, and, you know, I've looked at players at Burnley in the past and we bought Michael Keane from there and you could tell he's very good sitting deep. Is he great 
in a higher line. I think that's been a problem with Michael Keane. And, and if you don't see him in those circumstances, it's hard to evaluate players. So, so for McNeil, um, I mean, the guy averaged, I think I tweeted this out. He averaged 1.5 touches in the box per 90 last season. I mean, that's, that's lower than like a lot of center backs in the league that just do it off set pieces. You know what I mean? I mean, Seamus got into the box more than that P90. Um, his average shot distance was 21.5 yards. It's actually pretty far from someone that's supposed to be playing as a wing. And, you know, his XG was only 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, is that his team? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, he plays almost exclusively on the left um, and almost as a wing back. And he can cross the ball extremely well. He's got an incredible left foot, fantastic left foot. He's got good size. He's he's tall, relatively speaking. I think a lot of people are concerned that they think he's too slow. Um, I don't know if that's true. I just think it's, again, I'm sticking up for the tall guys like I always do, but, uh, but I, I think maybe he's a lot faster than people realize he's just taller. Um, in the, in the squad preview, we did, we did identify that we thought Benitez really liked a lot of those wide players, kind of the short diminutive quick guys. Um, he's yeah. not that my concern is, okay. Is he in need? Do we need a left-sided player? No, it seems no. like the old, we've signed so many. I know over the last few years. So I think the proposition that I saw you chatting with people about is like, can you convert him to play the right side? Because we know Benitez likes to swap wingers. We know that mm -hmm, he potentially want to have guys cutting inside. That's what we'd have with gray on the left. Um, but they could also. And Townsend could do it too on the right too. And, and look, the fact of the matter is he's a really good young talent who would be very eager to come here. You would have to think to, to leave Burnley, no disrespect, but um, maybe wouldn't even be that dramatically different of a play style because we're going to likely play a lower block with Benitez, but he probably have the opportunity to get forward more of the quick transitions. And I think he'd be a useful asset for us and, and would definitely, if we could convert him successfully to play on the right, then I mean, he's a dangerous player. We all saw it in action against Everton last season. He can he can score some impressive goals. Yeah, of course, that's the one goal he scored in the whole Premier League. That was, I mean, the that's other one fun. was kind of lucky. But 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 that being said, uh, the guy's got a cracking left foot. So it's funny. I, I actually watched every one of his shots last year because I was curious. I'm like, why is he not scored as many goals? Yes, he's not getting in the box. I mean, that's that's the real thing. You know, <laughs> you point to some guys, well, they need to score more goals. If they're not in the penalty box, they're not going to score goals, man. That's it's just how it is. Uh, I mean, that's just that's just football. What Ronald Koeman say, that's football. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, in all seriousness, um, I think he'd be awesome on the right. I think he profiles perfectly on the right. I think his game is awesome that way. When I see him breaking through into space off the counter, I think he looks in control, in command. I love it when he's going right down the middle. He loves cracking a shot from distance. And I'll tell you what, as dismissive as I am, maybe it's the analytical side of me and taking shots from distance, this guy's got a good one. And I will say this, like, it does remind me very much. I mean, he's not quite the playmaker someone like Garcia was for Liverpool, but like, that's what it reminds me of. You know, quick break counters, shots from distance that Rafa used to love. I just see the way he can bend the ball in his shot as well from the right side. Half of his shots came from center or right. So this is like scrambles off set pieces and stuff where the ball ends up on his feet on the right side. And he looks dangerous to me. Again, is that a risk? I mean, you're going to spend whatever, 20 million pounds at least on this kid who's only 21. And yeah, you can mold him and you're going to expect him to be able to just insert himself into right wing and start from day one for Everton on a team that has European aspirations. That's a little aggressive to me, but I have to admit he just, I think he could be an absolute beast over there. And, and when I see him pressed higher up on the left side, I think it's a waste. And look, does that make sense with Everton? I mean, seriously, you're going to have Luca Dean out left serving a ball. Why do you need someone who's great at serving a ball in the left half space to create space for him? Right. Or are you going to sit there and have him sit back, Luca Dean, and let McNeil go forward on the left when we have 18 left wingers? No, I think if we buy him, I truly believe he'll try and send him over to the right. And I got to admit, he could be a monster over there, but it's a big risk. It's a big risk, but I think we're in a position now with the window not exactly winding down, but limited time. And I obviously, if we were to sign the player, there's been extensive scouting, extensive behind the scenes conversations. Yep. He would have talked with 
brands and Rafa about how he fits into the system. So it's not like he's going to come here expecting to play exposition and all of a sudden be shuttled out wide. Yeah. So have and, and there are a bunch a of right wings out there too. I mean, it's not like he's the only guy, but he just happened to be the person we were linked with this week. So we're talking about him and he has a good yeah, talent yeah. and he is very young. Um, Okay, so today we had another one that I thought was very interesting, a guy we've spoken about on the show before, I believe, and that is Build um, indicated that Arsenal, Everton, and Spurs are keen on a move for Dennis Zakaria, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's center mid, 24 years old. Um, Center mid's a stretch. I mean, really, the guy can play any midfield position. I mean, you see, he's played the 10. He can get up the field. I've seen him play as a sitting six. He can even play center half. He's about six foot three. He's big. He's a really good athlete. Um, I'd say probably a year ago. I mean, he was probably a 40 million pound player. No joke. Um, and the quote is uh, now considered unrealistic because of his ongoing injury issues. They would now consider a fee of around 20 million euros as acceptable. Now. Okay, we've heard this deal before, right? Where we're getting someone a little bit of on a cut rate deal due to injury. And the injury is a concern because, I mean, he had surgery on his knee. He had kind of a strange relapse there. I don't think it was a straightforward surgery. Um, he missed a couple of the first games, but he actually played most of the season. Did not have his best season. You know, he just seemed like he was a little bit out of it. Uh, had COVID this summer. But he's made it clear that, you know, he's not going to sign a new deal with them and he wants to move. I, you know, this one's really tricky for me because this has been one of my favorite midfielders over the last couple of years to watch. He's so smart. He's an athlete. He's got a great attitude. He works really hard. He runs all over the place. And when we profiled a midfielder, we thought, okay, a guy that's capable of playing defensive mid, they could also play center half. You could probably sell Holgate if you've got him and JPG in the side and not be too concerned about having three center backs with someone like this. And this guy's upside. If he's healthy, I mean, he, he legitimately is maybe our best player or at least one of them. It makes for a very crowded midfield. If we had money, this might it does. be, I mean, this might be kind of a risk to take, but I can't imagine this happening. Can you? No, I can't. For a few reasons. I mean, do we even have that kind of cash to spend? Yeah, right. In an area that we have already similar to, to Longstaff, where we have decent depth, we don't necessarily need him. Could he be an asset? Yeah, I think he, he would improve our squad depth. And, and we could use gets... another sitter, though. He can play that position. I mean, I, I actually think it's his best position. I... But the injury thing to me, I mean, we've got guys oh, that come to Everton and with no injury history and end up right. I mean, JPG, knock on wood came here with basically no injury history and look what happens. So, and we know all about the injury problems the last couple of seasons. So it's a pervasive issue to, to exacerbate that by bringing in another guy who, well, with okay. questionable knees to interrupt I you. I've heard he's not really into soccer tennis. So I think we're okay. 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 Ryan, come on. That's a low blow. The poor guy. <sighs> You know, you're gonna, know, poor JPG. He's back. It's okay. He's back. I know. I got my fingers crossed. He's been so good in the preseason. Uh, the only so thing, good, the only thing I will say this though, if you bought a guy like this with his versatility, I mean, you could send Davies on loan. Uh, mm. You could sell Andre. You could sell Mason Holgate. True. Uh, you could get rid of Delph, and you literally would be better almost as a team by acquiring him. Again, we right back and right wing got to be the priorities. But I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, and look, he, he, it's not like he didn't play last year. He played through the year. He just wasn't amazing. My concern is that one of his big things is even though he's very smart and very clever with the ball and very straightforward, a good line cutting player, you know, without that super athleticism, you know, he's not going to be an elite player. He'll just be a right. solid one. And, it, you know, and, and if the knees break down, then he's worthless to us. So um, it's an interesting proposition. Um, I don't know if it's worth it or not. It really just depends on what his physical condition is. But if his knee's in good shape, oh, my God, man. This guy's a fantastic player. I love him. Nick, it's, it's a risk. Every transfer is a risk. Yep. You know, this you want to mitigate one, that as much as possible, but this is, this is a big one. So yep. we'll see what happens, but other, other Premier League clubs are in. Seems we'll like see. some clubs really like swooping in for our transfer targets, namely Aston Villa with I Leon know. Bailey, which I know. Well, but hey, much, but. let's get to the next guy because yeah. uh, I, I know you've had a lot of fun with this. Hum has decided to drop in a uh, lovely little graphic in here with 
Sean Bean in his middle-aged attire and broadsword saying, brace yourself, Rondon is coming. So... <laughs> I didn't notice it. On, I didn't notice it when we were going through the document. I caught it the last time. I just started laughing out loud. Um, so look, it, let's say Moise Keen goes. Um, you know, if now the priorities buy a right back and buy a right wing, is there a scenario where Solomon Rondon, assuming he's on a free, he's still at Dalian Pro. Uh, obviously he's a center forward big guy. We all know him. Um, South American. He was on loan with Moscow last year. So I, I think he would come as a free or on a loan. Is there a circumstance, despite the dubious source here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ekram Connor um, from the Uns Vatan Gazette. Do you think I got that right? I don't think so, but close enough. <laughs> probably not. I probably totally butchered that. Anyway, he's a football commentator and journalist. Um, is there a scenario where this would make any sense? And didn't we go over this in our squad assessment? We did. So we don't want to belabor the point because we actually spent quite a bit of time on Rondon. I think I our, know. Editor, our editor had to leave some on the, the cutting room floor <laughs> because we went for like 15 minutes. But he makes perfect sense. It's a guy, again, another guy who's played for Rafa. Rafa loves him. Yep. He'd be a cheap backup to DCL. And if King goes, then we need a backup striker. So he seems to like check a lot of boxes that would make sense and you could do he would fit pretty well with our style of play he's a target guy he can hold the ball up it's not going to blow anyone away with pace but he can score goals so we could do a lot worse as a backup striker it's it's similar it just reminds me of like a begovich type of signing in that older guy experienced um and can be relied upon in certain matches and god forbid we have to go without dcl for an extended period of time this year but um cup games rotation all those sorts of things it seems like he would make up make a lot of sense to me yeah, he's familiar with the tactical approaches that rafa wants to put in you know having been with them at two different stops and he can simulate a little what dominic can do even though he's not even close to him as good um and so you don't have to change styles every time he goes out you know i mean think about th- that Moise Keane is a deceptively strong guy, but he's not an aerial presence like Dominic no. Calvert Lewin. You're going to have to adjust your play a little bit and your service to him as an outlet. And Rondon, you know, kind of enables you to keep going with that. So anyway, yes, let's not beat this one into the ground. Um, but it does make some sense, as we've said already in the past and in the squad assessment to facilitate the movement of Keane and not take too much of a dip in center center forward. All right. There was one that came out today that I had to admit, I was a little bit taken aback by, I don't know this player particularly well. I watched him a little bit earlier today, but, um, BSR sports. And I don't know if they have some sort of Scottish source, but breaking news Celtic look to be beaten to the transfer of Antwerp defender. I mean, how disrespectful it's Royal Antwerp, please. (laughs) Um, defender Aurelio Buta by Everton. Um, so, Aurelio's Portuguese, 24. He's a right back at Royal Antwerp. Um, he started at Benfica. This guy's short. He's pacey. He looks like he can serve a ball. Um, I assumed when this came out that this was just kind of something that, um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming we're talking about Delo uh, at, at Manchester United, and I think they have the same agent. So I kind of assumed this is kind of just agent talk maybe. Um, I mean, Celtic made a 1 million pound offer, so it's not a big dollar signing if it happens, but I mean, can you see us? This is our option as starting right back Hummus? I mean, this huge is, concern, huge concern. Yeah, if this don't you is think? Like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Look, this is like the need. This has been the need for Everton for several years. It's like, you know, you know, this is coming, you know, this is coming. It reminds me of, of myself when i was in school like i would procrastinate on everything and everton have procrastinated <laughs> on signing a right back for some time and look james coleman's days are numbered everyone knows it you can't replace him although 60 grand who we have a new song five years from now 1.5 million oriella buta yeah i i, I <laughs> but i mean look is it realistic to expect that someone who's you know 24 years old um undersized frankly he does look like he's a good athlete can suddenly you know a guy that didn't make it at benfica either you know that i mean is this guy just a late bloomer and is magically going to come straight from 
Antwerp and slot him into starting right back at Everton. I mean, it just seems like it just makes no sense. No, at his age. I mean, I had reservations for Denzel Dumfries, frankly, coming in at age 25. And it looks like that's not going to happen. He's going to go to Inter, um, even though he's a really big and good athlete. So, you know, I get that a little bit in terms of a match. And oh, I thought Dumfries, we both did, thought he was a great match for Rafa. But we still had concerns that this guy's 25 and still in the area er- er- of Isi. You know what I mean? So what about someone in, in Belgium still at age 24 right. uh, that doesn't have the physical tools that, that Dumfries has? So, I mean, to me, I, look, I don't know this kid that well. I watched him a little bit. So I'm not I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit, but it just seems like, jeez, I mean, this is the only thing I will say. The only counter I'll say is that I know there's always something right is. I mean, there's not so many elite right backs out there. I mean, even the top guys that would look out like like an Emerson Royale, since we're into Royals and Royale today, <laughs> yeah, yeah. apparently. Um, but even him, he's not a sure thing. I'd say he's probably the best talent kind of out there. But like, I mean, world football does not have a plethora of right backs that are world class. I mean, maybe the best right back in the world plays defensive mid for Bayern. Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, maybe it is right. Maybe this is a dare to be great thing. I just, I would be just shocked if this is our alternative. Um, so I, I don't know. This had me a little bit thrown in surprise, maybe just because I didn't know the player, but it just doesn't seem likely to me. I, I don't know. That's my take. Uh, this but, is and, probably the most dubious, uh, maybe the most dubious transfer rumor that we've uh, entertained on the show. And yeah, some time. maybe we're yeah, maybe we're actually shouldn't even taking this one seriously. But there was dialogue about it today, so we figured it was one to uh, sure. Mike, agent speak through Delos. Uh, I think he's pro eleven. No, not pro eleven. Maybe that's it. I can't. Remember. But I mean, I think I think you know, I said it at the top of the show. I don't think I'm alone in feeling a little bit underwhelmed and. Um, a little bit of a malaise about sort of the start of the season, a signing like this, when everyone and their brother knows that we need a legit right back signing. I don't think it does a whole lot to, you know, mitigate those concerns for fans. And look, we're going to have a full Goodison park on Saturday, yeah, just a few days away now. And there's a lot of questions about what the atmosphere is going to be like. We all hope and pray and, we need the crowd to be very active and positive and get behind the team because <clears throat> we know how poor our home form was last year. We need to turn that around if we're going to have even a fraction of the success we had under Carlo. And, and so I think this would just sort of continue kind of the trend of we're hoping for someone more inspiring. We got Rafa. We we're hoping for some big yeah. right wing signings. We're ending up with yep. towns. We sign a, right back that 99% of people have never heard of to replace Seamus Coleman. It just continues kind of the trend of what? Yeah. I mean, we really haven't doing. I mean, I mean, have we been linked with anyone that you're like, wow, I'm really excited about. And the thing is I would normally be really excited about Dennis Zacharia, but we don't need a player necessarily in that position. Like we need a right back and, and a right wing. So, um, you know, and, and, and we really haven't had credible rumors for guys going out that we think, I know, would really matter. So like today we got the Atalanta interest in Alex. Well, by the way, if Atalanta is going to buy someone from you, don't sell to them. <laughs> They're really <laughs> smart and good. But even in Alex Wobie's instance, if you were to sell him, I mean, he's not going to re- it's not going to make a big imp- impact on, on financial fair play. He's not on a massive wage. And, you know, if you can't sell him for much more than his book value, what's the point? Cause you have to replace him. period. You're right. And have to have someone in there to sub and play in between in behind Hamas or somewhere up top. So that doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, you really need to move someone like, I mean, even Andre is not going to be a massive financial fair play relief, but he is on big wages and I don't think we need him. That's why you really need a Moise keep. Uh, and, and honestly, a Mason Holgate, that would be a big deal. I, I mean, I, profit, I know pure profit. Yeah. I know some people gave us some garbage about, the idea that we called him arrogant. I, I want to clarify what that means. I'm not saying he's an arrogant jerk prancing around Liverpool thinking he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That is not what we're talking about. We're just saying on the field, he seems to be overly ambitious with his passes. And, and the numbers back that up, by the way. Um, I mean, I think he averages something like almost twice as many passes intercepted as anyone else on the back line. So to me, you know, if you're take and, and throws out more long passes than everyone else, so no offense, our whole point was kind of like, look, Mason, you're playing right back back there. Why do you think you're more capable of playing a long pass than the guy right next to you and Ben Godfrey or even Yuri Mina or even Michael Keane? You're not, man. So that that's all we mean. We don't mean like he's an arrogant jerk player. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, sometimes maybe overconfident or not the best decision maker. And and he was two years ago and thought he showed some maturity. So I, I don't know. I just think there's questions about him. And yeah, it's a risk. You lose someone like that. It's a risk. But guess what? It's okay to sell young players if you replace them with other young players. Indeed. And you have to sell. And everyone's complaining about financial fair play. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's fair. It's fa well, it's not fair in terms of yes. Clubs have bigger revenues than us, but they're managing to it. Okay. You can't sit there, not sell anyone and then blame financial fair play. Why is man city able to buy Jack Grealis? Hamez? What have they done? Sold a lot Sold of players. players. Yeah. I mean, it's my just, favorite is the, uh, the FFP truthers who are like, it's not even real. Everton should just do what they want and let the. It's not your the, money, Hamas. It's not your money. Premier League. We'll take the slap on the wrist. Look what they did to oh, City. Oh yeah, what is up with that? Like <laughs> we should just violate it. Just do it. What's gonna happen to us? Uh, I don't know. Points deduction, relegation. I mean, that would kind of be a bummer. Yeah, uh, that would uh, take the wind out of our sails <laughs> real quick. And they're yeah, already kind of just flapping in the breeze. So. Yeah, it's it's just. I mean, that's why. So that's why the sale is so important. It's just a math exercise. You know what I mean? You sell someone like Moise Keane for thirty million. I mean, technically, you could sell, you could buy guys for 150 million if wages were the same. And, you know, if they're all five year contracts, it's just math. Right. 150 divided by five. You know what I mean? So it's just that easy. So that's why sales are so important, even if they're even small, you know, every year. I mean, almost every single year to enable buying under financial fair play. And that's it. It's just math, folks. It's, there's nothing sinister about it. Yes, it makes it hard for us to crack the top six, but truly the situation we're in is uh, is our own fault. Really. Self-inflicted. Absolutely. It is. it is. Yeah. And uh, that's been our messaging since day one. But Ryan, we do, in fact, have the start of the Premier League season on Saturday. Ah, uh, yes. Southampton at Goodison Park. We're not going to do too much of a preview, but uh, I think everyone's, you know, we got worked at Manchester United last weekend in our final preseason match. Probably a little bit of a flattering scoreline, 4 0 to United. I, I thought we probably deserved a little bit better than that and yeah, some of the three. goals were kind of fluky right and we're missing some of our key players so look you you bring back dcl richarlison, you get richarlison rumor is to potentially start yeah yeah he's gonna be back tomorrow that's a rumor and so it'll be really interesting to see what lineup rafa elects to go with on the opening day of the season i think we kind of know the formation and the tactics but the personnel i think is still very much up in the air um some guys potentially I know Andre Gomez missed the match with a knock. So we'll be talking about it in our discord and we'll also do our score predictions in our discord. So if you're not in there already, why don't you join the link is invite.gg slash ATP. That's where we always do the score predictions and give people shout outs on our post-match episodes, which we will be bringing to you sometime at the weekend. Once uh, we're able to. And look, Southampton had some outs. You know what I mean? They they brought Danny. in. I mean, Dennings went out out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, they don't care about gun, but Mario Lamina was not is is not mm -hmm. played for them. I get it, but like he's still a potential player that could have helped. And Ryan Bertrand, even though he's an aging guy, was a rock for them and was one of the primary. You know, they attacked all the time on the left side. Well, suddenly they're going to throw Romaine Peroud in there, and you know, is he going to be able to just kind of leap in there from? breast i mean they've had trouble transitioning guys into the side even though they play a very set system you know i mean mo salisu came in last year and didn't play until the very end right. so uh and put it this way i mean i think we were both very frustrated at our um attacking approach last year especially the first match yep. against southampton so if we get some of the guys back i mean this is one we got to win we have to win this one so um you know, I, it's one that you're going to look back and say, yeah, that's three points we really need. And they just signed Adam Armstrong, who I really like out of Blackburn. Uh, I think he's not quite the goal scorer. Maybe they think he is. Um, he's not going to have the time and space he had that he did have in the championship, but he is a good player and can pass. So, um, you know, they're going to be in 4-4-2. You know, they're going to pressure. Hopefully Rafa has us geared. And, you know, look, our condolences, too. It sounds like he had some family issues in Spain. Yep. Um, selfishly, I hope he's back and ready to game plan for us and we have a successful outing. Um, but we'll see. I think it's ironic that I won't be able to watch the match live because I'll literally be at a funeral. So, um, I don't want to make too many jokes about that, but let's hope that the game does not go similar to the service I will be attending yeah. at the same time. So, um, I'm for some strange reason, slightly optimistic about this one because I think we're a better team, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think we're a better team. And I think actually, you know, Rafa's counterattacking style will probably benefit us against this team that wants to press really high. But 
remains to be seen. We'll be anticipating it and watching it. Of course, I will at least, and Ryan, I'm sure we'll watch the replay, whether we win or lose, because he probably more than one masochist and wants yeah, to that cause is. himself pain as we all do as Evertonians. On that note, a nice, bright, happy, <laughs> joyous finish to this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. As we said at the top, check out our latest Toffee TV USA episode and all our other stuff on there. Check out our squad assessments. If you scroll in our podcast feed, you will be able to find them. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. If you want to find our social media links, you can find all of those at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And until next time, following Everton's beginning of the campaign, we'll be with you then. Till then, up the toffees. (laughs) 